what I've noticed is Twitter and social media lends itself to a, to a, a derivation of thought, like a very poor quality thought, like on, on a personal level. It's not commenting mm-hmm. on other people's thoughts per se, although they are usually, you know, just hiccups kind of thing for most people most of the time. Yeah. But, but the, you know, there's activities you can do. So I, I find walking um, lends, lends itself to the highest quality of thought. So if I want to uh, engage with thinking or try to just get ideas and I find ideas come up, it's not something I sit down and go, okay, I'm not, I'm going to have an idea now. I, I usually go for a walk and I just get showered with ideas. I, like it's the best way to get ideas. I've never experienced yeah. anything like it. Right. It's, it's incredible, but same. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny with the, with, with the social media, when you, when you spend time away from it, you do realize what a time sink it is. And I, I wasn't really, that's not true. I go through phases. Sometimes I'm heavily involved. Other times, not so much. But I, overall, I'd say I'm not hugely involved all the time. And uh, yeah, you just, you've only got so much energy every day. You've only got so much energy. You've got so much the intellectual effort and time goes into just going through a, like a tweet conversation with somebody. If you're really, if you're putting the time yeah. in and then somebody says something and then replying and figuring out and then coming back to later. It can use up hours just to do a couple oh, of tweets. Totally. And then I, I noticed when yeah. I was doing the daily thing that it was the same amount of time just to write a five a thousand word article than it was to just engage with a few tweets. Absolutely. Same amount of effort. Yeah. And no and one's reading them, but yeah. no one's reading the tweets anyway. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. But like but the, in terms yeah. of effort and I was like, at least I felt like I'd thought something through. Oh, yeah, I came to some conclusion at the end of that that I hadn't had before, which you don't really get in tweets. No. You don't really get – I've never done a tweet. Or like I've done threads in the past, obviously, and I've done like engaged with conversations and that. I've never or very rarely had a new thought or like a new – or um, explored an idea on Twitter because you're already in that kind of – even if you're not being antagonistic with people, you're still – there's a weird thing going on that's just not real. It's not just not conducive to to developing ideas. It just isn't. Yeah. It's for going on and saying that you already have the ideas. Here they are, or arguing with people with their. That's the wrong idea. That's it. Yeah. If if you want quality, and it's a time sink in that respect as well. So you could just put the phone down and just go for a walk. You know, do do any yeah, number yeah. of activities. It's not just the time tweeting, though. It's the time between when you're thinking about sure. you've got this one. Times yeah. I rarely argue on it, and I had a few arguments. It was like taking up my whole day. Like oh, I'm gonna fucking get this guy, <laughs> and um, yeah. you know, like yeah. just get over nothing, you know. And um, and one of them that I remember spending a whole day on going back and forward with. I think it lasted a few days, and uh, the the. Uh, ages later, I went back and looked at it and thought, oh, actually, what the guy said at the beginning was right. He was actually had a point. I should have just said, oh, actually, yeah, right enough. Good point. But, you know, I don't totally agree with that. You know, I agree with that a bit. And, you know, that would have been a normal thing. Oh, good. Mm. Oh, I never thought of that. Cheers. But you, you know, on Twitter, it's not that. It's like you're in public and you think everyone's what It's got that schoolyard thing. Everyone's watching you now and you need to keep face, yeah. you know? Yeah. There's all these yeah. kind of things being triggered out of your awareness that are driving your behavior on it. It's amazing for meeting people to where, or getting yeah. in touch and making friends with new people. It's the best for that. And like any levels of people and stuff, you know, 
It's mm. like uh, it's like it's like the Masons, it's like the Freemasons, where everyone's on the same level almost, and you can meet people at higher, at different uh, socioeconomic positions and stuff that you wouldn't meet in normal life. That they say that the Freemasons that that's where they, they everyone's equal inside it. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know whether that's true or not. Yeah, but the but you know that's the theory. But Twitter's a bit like that, and um, it's great for meeting people that you wouldn't otherwise. But they actually engaging and using it, and that's. Uh, I don't think it's not even it's not useless. It's it's detrimental. Yeah, it is detrimental. <clears throat> bad for I your agree. health. I mean, it really yeah. is bad for your health. It's bad for your thinking. It's bad for um, many way many things. It's and it's the opportunity cost. You just don't see on the other side what you lose what you're losing. Yeah, it's the time yeah. sink thing. How many it's, times you check it a day and stuff, and you know, it's the uh, it's the old. Despair mounts, isn't it? Which is one of highest things. So you, you have, um, does something diminish me on, on one side of the uh, scale and on the other uh, uh, side of the scale, you, you've got, does it enhance me? Yeah. And, and you're going to be brutal to with that thing. feel diminished more now. Yeah. yeah. I, I just feel diminished constantly. I, I You know, this is going to sound arrogant, but there's actually almost no one on there who I'm really interested in their thoughts anyway, actually. I find it all to be rather uh, parochial, rather rather silly, and just everyone to be rather reactive. And uh, totally. I'm just not getting much from it. So I'm like, yeah, why, why are you diminishing yourself people. this way? Yeah. yeah. There's like under yeah. t- if I had to like, I could easily pick five or 10 people and that's the only people I'd follow and it wouldn't make any difference to my own yeah. thinking and, and stuff at all. Then, of course, as you're uh, saying, you do have access to people who are maybe, you know, uh, famous people or people who have something useful to say about technical matters or what, whatever else. And that's the stumbling across people because, like, we stumbled yeah. into each other on there. That we, that's true. We just wouldn't have yeah. happened somewhere else. That's true. Um, and there's been a few people, like, have stumbled into like that. But it's really, like, the amount of time I've been on it, it's not that many. I mean, I don't have a big following, obviously, but the yeah. – it um at one point I was connected with lots of people who were like kind of in the in group in our kind of sphere and um even then it was like there's it's just rare it's just the type of people you're interested in me are just like we're interested in me is kind of rare anyway mm. um and it's even the rare. ones there's ones on there who are on Twitter who have like you know fifty followers and don't use it and don't have an image and all that stuff that that uh, might be lurking and stuff that you might stumble across but by talking about these things but I mean most interesting people probably aren't they're just not uh, heavy tweeters why would they be yeah 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 we we already it's almost went through a disqualifier the, yeah almost is um and we went through the political side as well I mean I'm just I'm getting to a point in my life where I've just kind of realized I'm going to be dead soon and um, I ain't spending it fucking engaging in useless activities on a phone, scrolling uh, up and down on a screen. I'm just not going to do it. I've got things I want to get done and uh, that thing's a time sink. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to spend a little less time. Having said that, you know, it'd be good to do a spaces and use those facilities because I, I do think they're useful or, or potentially interesting mediums. Uh, you know, to find people and to to talk about things. So yeah, as to, you say, it's it's not. To all be bad. honest, yeah, if you yeah. use yeah, if you're using it methodically, I mean, if like uh, for spaces, I mean, we could probably do 
organize us do regular like say it was like once a week there was a space this once a week and it was we kind of planned it and we kind of you know invited and spoke you know we um with a few key people or whatever or people that we we wanted on it as well we're talking about such such subject and they have more of an audience you could probably go on once a week and just do that and you would build up your followers without spending any of the other time in between yeah you know yeah. you just use it one day mm. a week do the spaces interact with people after it and before it and stuff and then just um do nothing else yeah and you would um and then just have a link to whatever your real thing is in your bio or whatever and you could probably build up that way without any of the time wasting stuff in, in the middle maybe i i don't know mm. so so there's one guy on there that i know he's he's kind of like a joke account um used to be called uh soil bra he was kind of like a parody of um you know the right wing <laughs> esoteric health accounts is really he was really brilliant he um he started like uh with this idiotic thing where, where he was going around um touting the benefits of eating soil that was his thing right like um and uh he, he made okay. these comedy <laughs> clips and like he was really quite good uh, but he started doing spaces and he swore by it he was like this is this is how to get get people interested so uh yeah we, mm. should, we should do one we should do one just to see Okay, okay. Uh, well, okay, here we go. Uh, so we got uh, Hyatt part two. Um, so this was of interest uh, to people, which I found unusual. Kevin and I were just discussing that, um, which is, you know, we didn't, we didn't think of all the things we've done so far that, that Hyatt would be the one that got all the comments and engagement. But there you go. Um, so in part two, I think he has just discussed uh, the idea of people speaking exclusively in cliches, uh, meaning that they use language uh, without having any specific, concrete, tangible thing that it's connected to. And I think he was using academics as his uh, cannon fodder. So um, the next clip. I think is a continuation of that, but I'm not actually sure what he's going to say, which is probably a good thing. So uh, here we go. They're tied to their world and their goal of perpetuating their gene and their fortunes from one generation to the next. This is the most important thing for them. So what's the connection or correlation between this person you've described and the person we normally think of as creative or an or an artist or that kind of thing do you think there's any correlation between the two okay i'm just going to intercede quickly just to give people context so uh he's talking about the interests of billionaires that was the last thing he was talking about and the interviewer here is starting to question him regarding creative people and how they're connected to this particular personality type that we've been discussing, which was last week through the prism of the billionaire and the street tough in Chicago. <laughs> I think that's he was from the streets of Chicago. So uh, that's where we are in the conversation. And now the interviewer is asking him about um, how artists and people of a, a more artistic bent are connected to this this kind of uh, individual that he's been describing. Between the two? Well, 
I, th I think they have a smell of it, a hint of it, but they're bogged down. They're bogged down by their past. Mm -hmm. They're not undone to any significant degree, as I would put it. How many great artists have we created or come from this country? How many great philosophers? How many great scientists? How many great anythings? This is the country of the common man. The common man lives by fictions. The artists think that the guy who's on the edge has to be very careful. The goal is to kill him. The only use a great man has to the masses is what they can do and how they can utilize his idea. They have no understanding of what his idea is. First, they want to kill him because he's a threat to their sleep. If he survives and after he gets over that, maybe after he's dead for 20 years or 100 years, he now becomes one of them in their mind because they figured out a way or someone has figured out a way for them to utilize his art or to utilize his idea, so on and so forth. Yeah, well, there you go. His um, commentary again on the masses and uh, the, the nature of great men. I guess, um, I don't know where you want to take this one. There's a, there's a lot potentially you could say about it, yeah? We should maybe pick up on the word uh, uh, undone, what, how it means by undone or undoing yourself. Yeah, good idea. So he's saying that people aren't, um, you know, the artists or people who could be on the edge or could be great individuals are uh, the ones who struggle because they're not undone yet. And by undone, it's complex, but he basically means they haven't done work on themselves that will unravel all their reactions and habits and uh, personality patterns and all these things that are just a kind of random chance. They're just accident or their uh, upbringing or their genetics. And, you know, so a certain amount of these things can be changed willfully through certain psychophysical techniques. Uh, most things won't change these things on a deeper level. But you can't change them. So for him, for someone to be undone is they have to get rid of all those things, which include like high, te very high tension that's blocking you, um, re um, repetitive thought patterns. You, so you can't think straight. You're just completely ruled by your emotional reactions and you're unable to, you know, come up with a plan and follow a plan and then be a conscious individual and create things and do things. You're, if you're not undone, you're completely ruled by the social world around you. You won't do things because you're scared of other people. Um, this is what he talks about, about um, uh, very unusual people who actually are on the edge should be scared of other people because the normal people uh, react badly against people who are too different. Um, although they kind of they have a weird relationship with them. They want to need these people, but they also don't really like them that much. Um, until they're dead and safe and then they can make a statue. Um, so for him to be able to do things and create things without being controlled by all, by the social reality and, and more importantly, not being controlled by your inner reality, uh, to take conscious control of yourself and your own physiology to the levels that you can, which is, you know, 
requires work and real work in yourself. Um, if you're unable to, if you're, if you haven't done the work in yourself to undo these things, to become undone, as he would say, and he, one of his most famous books is called Undoing Yourself. And he has techniques for that that are based on kind of Reiki and therapy and, uh, other work to do with, uh, um, work with Israel Regardi and other, other things involved in it. And, um, that work is a way of breaking through your restrictions and having more freedom, more conscious, not just conscious awareness, but conscious ability to actually do things that you weren't able to do before. And, uh, if you're going to do something important in the world, you need to work on these things first, because otherwise you're just a bag of reactions and you, or you're a legend in your own mind coming up with stories about how you're going to change the world or how your tweet storm this week is going to change the political landscape or whatever it happens to be. Uh, but really you have to, to do these things first if you're even going to approach being a, an individual, never mind a great individual, which is one of the things he's been talking about in the CD, in this uh, interview is uh what is it it's called an extreme individual the extreme individual what's that mean and how do you go about creating one hmm yeah well said yeah artists uh, i think specifically people this bent are naturally marginal types anyway aren't they um so if you're the kind of person who is an artist in all likelihood you're not acculturated in the same way perhaps that that other people are um this goes beyond political bent and various other things which i know people are going to get hung up on regardless of what you think about that kind of stuff i, I still think this this kind of ind individual is a marginal type and particularly he did mention uh, their cultures of conformity particularly in in terms of the united states and this is something we spoke about last week i think it's applicable to australia as well not so sure about europe probably it's a little easier there as we were discussing i thought about this after you mentioned it last week but i think the difference <laughs> in the uk and europe is there's people are more likely to be um it was talking about conformists you know how it was saying that america is much more conformist than in europe it's more easy to be an individual in europe i think it's true in one way that the uk and europe you're you can get real eccentrics. Somebody can be can be an actual genuine eccentric, and they're of this weird uh, complex of uh, behaviors and um, personality traits and stuff that are unusual and don't really go together and kind of clash, and you can't really predict them and stuff. So you get those kind of eccentric characters more likely in in Europe that just stay kind of as a you know a, a guy on his own. Whereas in America, when people are more on the edge and um, are unusual types, they tend to find another group of unusual types and create this little anything from an actual cult to just like, a, you know, these tribes, online tribes that you get about every single topic. That mm. seems to be a more American kind of thing where it's probably just because there's more people and it's, mm. you know, easier to find people or whatever. It could be that there's less of the kind of... Uh, you know, the, the wandering eccentric type, cause you get these kind of, you know, everything like in England, you know, you get the country gent who's like this, or you'll get, um, genuine artists who are, could be living well, but choose to live in some really sort of dodgy bohemian area and, you know, through choice. And, you know, like, um, there's more of those types, I think in UK and Europe, maybe, uh, 
but in America, they as soon as as soon as, like all the nonconformists get together and conform with another bunch <laughs> of that type mm. of nonconformist, you know, it's yeah. like something like that. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's probably probably a good point. Yeah, um, and I think that I, either way, if you're an artist, you're probably the kind of person who has a tendency to see things a little bit different. Well, obviously, that's why you're an artist and you're putting it down in books or pictures or whatever it is. Uh, also, it's, it's probably in your character, therefore, to be potentially an outsider by nature anyway, because to be a good observer, you need to be kind of outside the way things are. I think that the group had, has clearly got a tendency to marginalize people like that. And I think that uh, at least a lot of the people I've known who have uh, who are good artists and have artistic tendencies, a lot of them have been pushed, I would say, by parents and other people uh, a little bit to the edge, picked up bad habits because of the groups, as you say, that they associated with, that often gets romanticized in the, in the artistic world. And that they tend to be, in my experience, they tend to be quite compulsive, quite high anxiety, uh, quite on the edge kinds of people, just in my experience. Uh, in terms of the undoing work, someone like that is a perfect test subject, or not test subject, but a perfect, uh, you know, um, unit to be trying this on because Although many of those traits are romanticized in the artistic world, I don't think they should be. I think they probably keep a lot of people back from being truly great artists and, and making truly great uh, uh, contributions to art. And as you were saying, uh, undoing is a process of overcoming a lot of those uh, those compulsive traits that we were talking about last week that rule you, you don't rule them. And that, that by its very definition is a thing that does hold you back from the full expression perhaps of your, of your potential. If you're an artist yeah, or not. One of the things that you're undoing is you're undoing your habitual sense of what you or what I, me means. So like you're, you're not just undoing personality traits or, um, uh, stopping certain behaviors and doing new behaviors, you're also sense of self will change over time with it. So yeah. the kind of art, if you're already an artist, the kind of art you would create and be driven, uh, drawn towards uh, expressing is going to change as your self changes, your concept of self changes. Mm. And on the other hand, you could think you're an artist. You could be a shit artist, and the reason you're an artist is, you know, because you think you should be one, and maybe with a bit of undoing work, you, you might want to be a banker. I don't know. Could happen. You, you never know what's going to happen, right? But um, yeah, it's it's interesting, and and again, um, you know, a lot of these things are romanticized with people. So people who are maladjusted or can't get along with people. And Hyatt obviously spoken about this several times in these in, uh, in this interview, where he speaks about even the, the street urchin and getting the street urchin and teaching him skills to be able to interact with people. When, when he does that, he's not adapting people 
in the same way as maybe a psychiatrist, a stock standard psychiatrist or a psychologist would be. Not like, oh, you are divergent, therefore you just need to adapt to this thing unthinkingly. He's viewing it more as you just need to fit in, but that doesn't necessarily need to mean that you need to embrace the ideology of the thing that you're fitting into. You're just using it as a medium to get what you want, to get paid, to, uh, to, to just get along in society without someone nailing you to a tree, which I, you know, I think is, is a commendable uh, thing to do for people, but also a very important thing because if you want to express yourself to the fullest extent possible, you do need to learn how to get along with people. I think I meet a lot of guys online who are probably marginal types, which is why they're attracted to these these sides of wherever, Twitter or wherever it is. And they, they get behind a cause, usually political, which is a marginal cause. So it's a dissident cause of some kind. And that's their thing. They're latching on to that. But behind that thing, probably more often than not, I would, I would, I would bet is a character that can't really fit in with everyone unthinkingly. They're probably marginal types that just don't get along with most people. Maybe they weren't the popular kid in school. Maybe they weren't the alpha, the alpha male kid in the playground, whatever it is. And so they've gone on a divergent path. And the way that they cope with that is by getting into weird, obscure causes online these days. And um, that's kind of where they stop because they never really look at the character. And instead you get resentful and you start calling everyone normies and everyone else is stupid. And uh, the reason I've been rejected is because they're all dumb and evil and all these kinds of things. And we all do it. But at the same time, <clears throat> there's, there's nothing per se that is holding you back from having the skills where you can deal with quote unquote, you know, normies or normal people or whatever people disparagingly call them. And, and very often I find that the worst resentments towards normal people usually just come from a personal deficiency of some kind that they, you know, you may not be well adapted in, uh, in a certain way. Maybe it's with women or whatever it is. And instead of looking at that and thinking, well, maybe it's not the women or maybe it's not this group. Maybe it's me. Maybe there's something I've got to do about myself. It, it, rather people go towards the resentment angle. So, so it's a danger being a marginal type, being an artist, being someone who's attracted to marginal things that you fall into this trap of just being resentful all the time and just getting in your own way and just not bothering to grow and to learn and to learn particularly how to just uh, live in society and live with people and deal with people effectively. Which is not to say that you then go and become a normie and you go, you know, I love football, I love football and beer. You know, it's, I'm not suggesting that. It's something a little bit more subtle, something a bit deeper. 
I think the um, the way he described it, I'm just thinking back to an interview I heard once where I think he used the church as an, as an example, because as you know, he did, he wasn't exactly a, a model uh, Christian citizen. But as, as a self-experiment, he suggested that you go to a church and, um, you know, you just hang around people at the church and, and try to get along with them, even if you're, you know, you're a, not a Christian. And then um, <clears throat> at some point, sit there and smile like a shark. And he, he I think, humorously wrote, that's the attitude that you've got to have most of the time around most people. So you're, you, you're going through the world consciously, and to do so, you need skills. And to be a success, you're going to have to deal with normal people. And part of that is getting over yourself or undoing yourself enough where you can have that flexibility of behavior and uh, character. But uh, I think that applies to artists particularly because they often can't get over themselves. They're often the most tragic egotists. Um, yes, I, for I artists, they, they, conf they conflate the kind of dark side of the artist, the pain and the, the anger and all that stuff. They conflate that with their creativeness. So like they think yeah, that that's the yeah. thing that makes them creative and you need to have this dark side stars with the drinking drug problems. They think of like the, you know, I don't know painters cutting their ears off, whatever it is, um, that they think that, that they need some kind of thing like that. So they'll lean into that to try and be more creative. And it works for a while, obviously, because they're it's getting the energy going, but you're just going to get pulled into the resentment and the anger. And a lot of those people just end up not very good. Anxious, and drug no addicts, way. no money. Yeah, and there's yeah. and there's no evidence that they wouldn't create better things when they weren't on these things. So the argument against this would be, oh, somebody's very creative when they're on this rock star or whatever, is very creative when they're, they're on drugs and whatever, and they're making lots of good music, then they came off them, they had a couple of years off it, and then now they're, music, they're making more music, but it's not very good now. That's probably mm. just to do with age. They were making better music when they were young, and it would have been even better without all the shit attached. Mm. Uh, so. And they just, they're older now, so it's not as good. Same way as like many mathematicians and stuff have their breakthroughs when they're younger, not when they're older yeah. uh, in general, um, as far as I know. Um, so, yeah, it's very hard for the artist to build into that stuff. And then that's amplified by a lot of the political stuff just now for a lot of the artists so that they get even farther away from creating and it just becomes destructive and you see the results. Mm. Um, for a person who isn't that far gone, uh, and doing some kind of psychophysiological work on yourself, whatever methods you use, you'll notice that your creativeness will change. You'll write about different things. You'll your style will change over time. You some of the things driving you to to create may have gone and you don't want to do whatever you were doing before because it was for some other reason you were doing that because you were you were you're not very good at the guitar you don't enjoy the guitar but you thought that was the best way to get girls you <laughs> wanted to be a painter because somebody told you, you paint you know you had this idea of this romantic image of painter your thing or um it's much more common for people to think of 
guys who are in the banker and the business guys who really want to do something artistic. You know, everyone's used to this idea of the you know the monk who gave up his Ferrari. And, you know, there's some book called something like that. You know, there's like yeah. these people that that quit normie life, successful normie life, and then go and do some weird thing. But there's just as many people doing the weird things that shouldn't be. That should just be more normal in the normal sense. You know that they're mm. not they're 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 not an artist. They're just you know that's just not who they are, and they're wasting their time. Yeah, and they could be happier doing something else. So that's part of it. But anyway, the process of undoing yourself, you know, how it has its own techniques. You know, we do our own things now, and other people have there are other techniques, not that many probably. And spiritual practices have some of them, obviously. And you will get to know yourself better, and these things will reveal themselves to you. So you don't need to spend 10 years hammering your head against a wall doing the wrong thing. You're not as likely to do that anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I can speak from personal experience that um, you can have certain epiphanies or certain moments after doing the work. And all the things that you thought were driving you and were important to you can just dissipate. And then you can just go down a completely different path. And if you look at what um, you were before you went down that path, you're like, you know, what the fuck was I thinking? What was going on there? You know, and um, this is literally the process of undoing yourself out of those knots, those subconscious beliefs. Uh, I think you refer to them as metaphysical beliefs that that run you. You've got no idea that they're running you. And when you get to the bottom of them, you realize that they're just usually protective beliefs that have come from somewhere else, typically childhood, when uh, you know you were you were a child and you weren't able to reason through maybe some of the things that your parents and teachers were inculcating you with. And when you, when you work through that, it, it opens up all sorts of possibilities that um, you, didn't, you didn't know were there before. And, and in my experience, um, this process can continue all through your life uh, to some degree because I've, I've uh, hit certain parts of life where I've, I've decided that I need to go deeper for a period because something's not working and I might start doing certain physiological work. Um, I might combine that with meditation and contemplation. And you can then just decide you want to change course and do something completely different. Because what there's a tendency as a human being, I think, to be driven by factors that are outside of your conscious purview, and you can very easily fall into them even for people who think they've done the work and who think they've uh, reached a, a certain degree of proficiency in this kind of work, it's very easy to fall into again. So it's kind of like this, this work is a constant process of pruning off dead, dead wood and dead branches. I think that's the way I view it these days. And it's certainly the way that it's worked in my life. Um, one of the, the major things is you really want to understand what those beliefs are that are driving you to do something. And, and they can be very hard to understand. They, and, and, and often what I found is if you, if you can find someone who can analyze your character, that, that's brilliant because 
sometimes you need someone to point it out to you. And of course, Hyatt did that for a lot of his students. And I've worked with one of one of his students that did that for me. And yeah, it's it's true to say that there are all sorts of things driving us that you just don't necessarily have any idea of. And you can waste years going down paths that not really suited to you or you never really wanted to do, but you felt compelled to do them. I mean, you, you have the, the typical stories are like, my dad forced me to be a doctor. I didn't really want to be a doctor. He just made me do it. Like that's, that's an obvious example. But there's also much, much more subtle examples of things that you just, you've never even necessarily thought about. It could be to do with the way that you're, it could be to do with anything. I'm not going to go into what it could be, but, but it, it could be very obvious like that, or it could be not so obvious. And okay, for most people that might be okay because they don't really think about it anyway. They just want to go to work, get paid, whatever it is. But yeah, as, as Kevin was saying, if you're, if you're one of those people that's banging your head against the wall, even in the background, even if, even if day to day you're fooling yourself into thinking that you want to do this thing really badly, but if, but in, in your weaker moments, you are banging your head against the wall and you just can't figure out why this kind of work can be very useful to you. This kind of. Character analysis, I think. Cause sometimes the thing you're trying to do that you're not succeeding at is you, you, from your subjective viewpoint, you're doing the thing. This is the thing you need to do. And you're trying to do the thing. It just didn't work or try it again, try it again. And you just keep trying to do this thing. But actually the thing you try to do isn't the, it's not a positive idea you have. It's actually, it's a symptom of these other issues. So mm. you're like, it's mm. you're, oh, I need to be this famous artist or, or whatever. It's just you're, you follow it back down by doing work on yourself and you realize it's like based on other kind of emotional things. And once you undo that and get rid of that, you then see, you're then drawn to the positive aim that you have. You have to yeah. get clear out that out of the way, like you said about the clearing away the dead wood. Um, you know, to continue that analogy, you know, if you've got like, you need to cut back some of the branches or, you know, the trees taking too much water, uh, you know, it's using up too much of the water or it's taking up too much space and other things can't grow. And, and, uh, you constantly, you're constantly growing new, th- um, problems for yourself. For <laughs> There's more mm-hmm. dead wood as you get older, yeah, but yeah. you, once you do a certain amount of clearing up, it's that, that level, at one level, it stays cleared up for you. And then it's more kind of specific things you're working on later. Mm. Um, but, uh, you were saying earlier about the, how you're saying about helping people to be more, to function in normal society better and to accomplish things. Um, it's kind of, but it's not about being a normal person. It's not about giving in to them and mm. thinking like them and believing all the cap. Uh, it's about being more skillful with it. It's being able to function. So rather than what would normally happen to people is they reject the kind of normal mainstream stuff and then they just become a shell, unsuccessful loser shell in legend in his own mind, doesn't engage with it at all. Um, whereas, uh, Actually, you need to engage with that stuff. You need to learn that stuff, but it doesn't mean you need to become like them, like the same way as any most psychologists would make you now. You know the cult of adjustment, uh, where you're just to be made back like them. You're just a problem. Go back like them. Well, you you should have a problem with them if you're smart. You should have a problem with the mainstream stuff. It's stupid. 
but you can't go around telling them directly it's stupid and you can't um, expect to try and directly fix things without getting huge pushback from people because you said they were stupid, so why would you expect stupid people not to react in a stupid way when you, when you present them with solutions? They don't want to hear them. They want um, small fixes for things. They want to just feel a little better, a bit better in the easiest way. Uh, and part of learning to the more skillful way of part of undoing yourself makes you be able to deal with these things in a more skillful way um, and to be to, to get things and be more successful in normal life, yeah. which you need. You know, you can't just sit in a in a room imagining that you're this tortured artist and but after I'm dead, everyone will appreciate my work or whatever. But you obviously haven't created any work. Yeah. Or any good work. Yeah. Yeah. Or shit work. Um, in my, I'm not going to name names, but I have a friend like that and he, uh, fucking terrible. I actually hope he doesn't listen to this. Um, <laughs> you should never have been an artist. You're terrible. Uh, so, the thing so, is, usually uh, those guys would yeah. be good at some other thing. You know, they yeah, usually yeah. Have, uh, yeah, do yeah. have a skill or a talent in some other place, but they're again, they're, they don't know themselves enough. So their their urge to be an artist is a is a symptom of these other underlying psychophysical deep habit problems, and um, it's not it's it's not the thing they think it is. So of course, it's not going to work when they try it. Yeah, yeah, I am. I, um... Just thinking about what he was saying uh, before about this idea of going around in society and functioning in it, and how I was saying before, he he said, take the attitude of you know you put a smile on your face and and stare and you know take the attitude and posturing of a shark. <laughs> I often wonder. Like, I'm pretty sure that's why he always used um, the term psychopath. Uh, in his work, like, you know, and in this interview, they refer to that word as well, is because once you do learn how to play the game and play in hierarchies and do all this different kind of stuff, but as you say, you're not compulsively within it, you're just using it consciously to go about a certain aim. That is, in a way, it's kind of like the definition of psychopathy, isn't it? It's kind of what they well, this, what they say yeah, in, in a certain to, sense, not completely, but it's kind of kind of is kind so of. So, like, if a psychopath is is has no empathy with other people, so they just do what they want to do, you know, yeah. obviously simplifying. So they just go ahead getting the things they want to get without caring about how it affects other people. Mm. Um, you know, that would be like a kind of neutral psychopath, not one that's also a sadist. You know. Um, mm. But so what he's saying is the being like a shark thing. So what's really happening there is you're in a social situation and you're feeling awkward. You're in the wrong place for, for you know, he's, or, or whatever. You're just in this new situation. And instead of being ruled by your reactions to the situation, he's like, uh, you know, think like a shark or whatever. Um, I forget what it was. You're, you're being an observer of the situation and observer of your own reactions now. So like the whole, the psychopath thing is like, a, you know, it's like, it's a gimmick in yeah, a way, you know, funny. it's like a, it's good mar. It's like a marketing thing on a, um, a meme or, you know, um, it's just like a, you know, just a, uh, you're saying he's a, he was a proto edgelord. He was like the proto so, edgelord. Yeah. yeah. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, especially if you read some of the, some of the aphorisms in uh, the book, Till I is Human, yeah. would be like, you know, they'd be like big tweets <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. Um, so, like, a lot of it is just, it's just about that, creating that, that um, conscious part of you that's aware, that's um, 
can be aware and see situations as they're happening, while but not just in a complete detached guy sitting at the edge of the road in a, you know, like, I'm totally detached from life, so I just sit here and, and beg for food thing. Um, it's actually in a way where you're actually still engaging and, and behaving in the world. So I think a lot of the things about the shark and that, it's just him uh, having kind of extreme, over-the-top examples of things that are actually quite boring. Mm. learn how to be aware of yourself in a situation and to do things even though you feel a bit awkward you know to do the thing to be able to reason out what it is you want to do and to do those actions you need for the, to get that goal while feeling awkward at the same time and being in weird situations and not being uh, um reactive not being a victim of your reactions to the situations yeah um so like he even has a, a one of his techniques on the cds is called de-victimization and I always wondered why it was called that because it's about uh, it's about going through the personality disorders symptoms, and you go through all the symptoms, and then you take them. You 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 imagine them in yourself of how you're each of those things, and then you uh, you know you everyone will be like a collection of them, and everybody's more like some of the personality disorders. You know the DSM. DSM. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 So the. Um, but the, what's the victim? You're a victim of your reactions. So these are things that just happen to you for whatever reason. But you can there's a little part of you, a little conscious part that can, you know, the shark part that can go, oh, okay, these things are happening. I can, I can do my own thing anyway, and be, I can behave, I can do actions in a cold way. So you're just doing the things that need to be done. But you're really being cold to yourself. It's not a sadistic thing. You're being cold to yourself by not giving those reactions. Uh, as much say over you as they used to. So you're no longer the victim of your own reactions. Yeah. Um, so like for to go back to the extreme individual and the hyper successful people and the self-made billionaires, what he's more talking about, not the, you know, guy who just gets all from daddy. Yeah. Um, those guys have, uh, have by nature are a little bit more like this anyway or have figured out how to be more like this or have some kind of mental tools they use to overcome their own um, fears and things and to to get done what they want to do. And but also be able to function in society without being shut down too quick. I mean, you see, you see a lot of this now. You see them prodding and trying things for good and bad, seeing what they can get away with and then trying the next thing. Um, they know what they're doing. You know, they're being sharks. But it doesn't mean that they have no emotions or no empathy necessarily. Some of them don't seem to. Hmm. Um, but they have uh, they have their own things that are driving them, like everybody else. But they either luck of the draw, they're more undone, or just pure luck, right place, right time, or they actually have this self control ability, or developed it through some kind of work on themselves um, that they. Uh, make things happen in the world rather than mm -hmm. sitting in the room pretending <clears throat> to be an artist. Yeah. And um, that's true. And, and Hyatt was, you know, he was interested in, in the marginal type uh, clearly. And as he was saying, you know, some, some of those marginal types are, are messed up kinds of people. And, and I always thought, you know, what, constitutes a messed up kind of person is is that they're usually introspective and they usually ruminate on themselves you know they usually have levels of dissatisfaction 
And potentially, you know, that's, that's quite powerful because normal people don't have that. Um, and if you can be taught how to turn that introspection towards something expansive, personally expansive, and to be taught skills and various other things, it's, it's that ability to, well, I think he described it as something else fairly cringe to be a mutant, to be, to be a mutant kind of person that, that it's that awareness. I guess you could call it that kind of ability to take a step back um, that that initially you've taken a step back from yourself and your self-loathing and you're looking at yourself or what, whatever that thing is, whatever that light is, is that with learning these skills and learning these techniques, you can turn that to be actually quite powerful and something that is, you know, beyond what the normal person tends to have access to with with the right work so within within that milieu of the the maladjusted kind of person uh potentially if you're one of those people listening to this you know don't lose all hope at all it can be something that can be used you know to a lot of benefits uh, potentially if you have the right right teacher and the right person uh, showing you how and, uh, you know, a lot of the people I came across over the years that were attracted to Hyatt's work, he was, yeah, they were very often like that. And, um, uh, you know, have, knowing some of the stories of some of his students who were that way and hearing some of the stories that they told me and, um, <clears throat> and particularly, <clears throat> pardon me, um, the stories of what they went on to do, um, later in life. Uh, often coming from hard backgrounds, you know, there's always hope. Trust me, there's always hope. You just need to turn that power to good instead of evil. Um, so yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a, a section of marginal types aren't, or of the, the tortured artist type, a, mm. a segment of them aren't losers. They're just dysfunctional just now. Yeah. They're just not functioning correctly just now, and they just need, to, you know, techniques or um, mentors or help or whatever. Um, and I mean, the, that this is the only people who'd be interested in, in work like Hyatt's or, or interested in like the work that we do, or even listening to this podcast, there, there, there must be some, that must describe the person slightly. It certainly described me mm -hmm. at one point. Yeah. And, true. um, you know, and then, so like, it's not like if you were already a, well-functioning, great and extreme individual, creative, and all those things by nature, you wouldn't need to do any of this work. You'd be doing the thing. Yeah. So this is already, it's already for kind of not broken people, but dysfunctional people in a sense, but yeah. um, uh, in one sense, but not completely dysfunctional. I don't know. There's really words to describe this. I, yeah, I can't think hard. of a word to describe it, but kind yeah. of like um, it's a marge, a small amount of the marginal types are, are like this. And that's kind of who we're talking to here, and that's because that's where we are, who we are, um, I think. And uh, uh, I suppose our that's what we're doing. We're trying to point people towards things. That, if you're like that, point, we're trying to point you towards things that have worked for us or might work for you or are worth looking at. And um, to realize that the, the choice isn't either totally disengage and pretend it's all not real or 
um, adjust and become one of them. You don't need to, it's not either of those. There, there is a th- kind of third way. It's also, um, I'll just add to that very quickly before we go on to the next uh, section. It's about becoming a well-rounded person because I, I can attest to the fact that in, in my uh, day-to-day business life, I've, you know, I've looked, over the last, you know, so many years, I, I've met a lot of people uh, and I've met a lot of very, very successful people <clears throat> in all sorts of uh, avenues of, of knowledge. And, you know, they're often very impressive in one particular field. Um, you know, they just have a natural knack. As you were saying, they have uh, the luck to be good at a particular thing, the luck of the circumstance when they were young to be given the opportunity to perform in the thing. But they're not necessarily well-rounded people. And there's always something about them I've found that is deficient. And I've found that they're very rarely satisfied people, very rarely. There are some cases that I've come across where that's not the case. But very often their family lives are not so good. Uh, very often, uh, you know, they remind me a little bit of Patrick Bateman. <laughs> so, some of the people I've met, like they'll, they'll stress over a slight from a senior manager or a slight from the owner of a company or being looked at the wrong way. You know, all these, they are often victims of the reactivity. So, so just because someone is successful, uh, doesn't mean that they're well-rounded and doesn't mean that they're happy either. And a large degree of this work is about being well-rounded. And it's also about not letting life get to you to that degree and trying to enjoy it, which is something that a lot of humans have trouble doing. And uh, I keep reiterating that life should be enjoyed, not just, um, you know, looking at other people's business cards, getting jealous. And, so I and guess, life should um, be lived. Because yeah. like, be. we've touched on, yeah. like uh, a few episodes ago, we were talking about the difference between Western and Eastern um, approaches to, you know, things like enlightenment and self-realization and those things. Um, so like Hyatt's work is, it's like the kind of, this is from the Western point of view is of detachment. So the Eastern view of detachment is more detached. You're detached from the world. The world is a dream anyway. I'm massively generalizing, but you know what I mean? The, mm, the world's yeah. a dream and the idea is to escape from the dream. It's like total detachment and you get the, you know, our, our guy at the side of the road in his pants, who we always mention. Um, those type of things is I, you're leaving the world. Uh, whereas the Western way is much more, you want to be the detached, so you're not a victim of your emotional reactions and the you know false ego, if you want to put it like that, and all those things. But you also want to be in the world, doing things practically and living in the world, because that's just the way Western people are wired in general, is to want to do practical things in the world, um, and people won't be happy. So you, there's a, there's a, so when he talks, how he's talking about being the shark and stuff again, that's again, it's the detachment in amidst of the chaos of emotions and, and things like that. 
but it's mm. not about getting rid of all the emotions. A lot of Western people attracted to Eastern stuff are trying to escape from bad emotions. A lot yeah. of the draw of it is they just want to feel better. So the whole mindset from the beginning is how to get away from the emotions, get away from the emotions. Hyatt isn't like that at all. He's uh, uh, free up the energies in the organism and then you'll experience all the big emotions more purely and in more extreme ways, but while also functioning in the world and being able to do things. You're mm. not, you're, you're wanting both. It's harder to do. Um, but that's always what interested me in how it's work was that, mm. that point of view. Um, and, uh, it ties in a little bit to you said about the, a lot of the successful people aren't, uh, satisfied. So like, cause their lives aren't really going well. There are shambles in different areas and stuff that's common, obviously. Mm. Um, but there is like the hype, the ones who are functioning well, there, there's a sort of unsatisfaction that they have, like a success, a functioning one would have. It's, but it's more like striving. They're all striving to the next thing and they want to create the next thing that kind of drive forward. It's not the same as being unsatisfied. It's not the same as having a shambles, unsatisfied life around you. It's just they're moving towards the next thing. It's kind of, um, it's more complex to think of. It's, it's not quite the same thing. I'm not explaining very well. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. So you're, there's a restlessness in their uh, wanting or desire to achieve some sort of yes, aim. but they're yeah. satisfied with this. They're satisfied with the restlessness. That's what yeah. they like. That's yeah, their, yeah. It makes them alive. You know, that's they're not dissatisfied with it. As in, they're not like trying to. Oh, if I just fix this thing, then I'm going to be fine. Then I'll stop. Like yeah. a, a real creative, um, successful type isn't like that. They're always going to be doing the next thing until they die. They're not going to retire. They just yeah. don't. That's not how they think. No. So they're satisfied in their unsatisfaction or unsatisfied. They're, they're satisfied with their striving. Whereas a lot of the other successful ones are they're completely unhappy. They've forced themselves into one little niche to get good at, to get successful. And then everything, they're just not well-rounded at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that, that, a lot of that does go back to things like if you haven't done the work in yourself to reintegrate your, what you think of as your mind and what you think of as your body. Uh, that's underneath these things. So how are you going to be a well-rounded individual if you haven't even rounded together your own sense of self yet? Yeah. Uh, you're bound to be fragmented in your life if you're fragmented in yourself. It's guaranteed. Yeah, yeah it's, they're, they're all good points. Um, yeah, I guess you hear, you know, it's cliche, isn't it? We don't want to talk in cliches, but it, it's like those people that uh, are on their deathbed and they work their whole life and they... They're sitting there about to about to die, and they're like, "What you know? What, what the hell just happened?" <laughs> you don't want to end up in that situation. You you want to be coherent and conscious in what you're doing because that's part of living well. I think is is having that self directed, self defined way of interacting with what you're doing in the world. And, yeah, uh, and even yeah, if I, things go wrong, you could think, "Ah, oh, fuck it. At least <clears throat> I, I tried to do the thing I tried to do." That's work. a that's a huge thing. That's, that's a huge thing. And that's a huge difference as well is actually it's a skill. And I, I know what you're saying about this. Like, you know, I guess you're Elon Musk type people that are just like, fucking, I've just got to keep doing this. So, you know, I'm happy in <clears throat> the ability to keep doing this. But, you know, a lot of people don't play well and they get their feelings hurt if something doesn't work out. Um, so, you know, a big part of it is just being able to not give a shit what happens you know just go oh well didn't work time to move on and do something different um which you know lots of people can't do they get the ego hurt and 
yeah all sorts of so uh, people also have, like but even like successful some successful people have um they have uh emotional reactions and um things like that that help them hide that they feel bad when they lose stuff you know so the hyper mm. the hyper um competitive type it's all about the win 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 well they're so focused on the winning and beating the guy and don't want that guy to win that they're that's a kind of like a mental tool that helps them dodge how bad they feel when they lose you know it's like so they've <laughs> yeah, they've yeah. kind of tricked themselves but that's not really function it's not really healthy that that has all sorts of side effects if they do that they might get the money in that and they do but then they're just fixated on the number and they become obsessive you know they they're not yeah. well-rounded in that sense so like you can with the right set of emotional uh, habits reactions and personality disorders you can be really successful in certain <laughs> ways uh but do you want to remain <clears throat> successful like that you know yeah. like or do you want to be I mean, that's why a lot of them have breakdowns or midlife uh Midlife uh, crisis, yeah. Midlife crisis. I must be in mm. one. I can't even remember the name. <laughs> so the, so yeah. So they have. There's at different points in people's lives they have these realizations, and uh, and then you go back into the dream. And even how you said that in the last clip about you know the the individuals scare the masses from their sleep. Mm. Use the word sleep mm. because that's what people are doing. They're just going about in a in a daydream, yeah. including ourselves. No, totally. Um, yeah, it's never good to make this kind of stuff too obvious, I don't think. Uh, that's for sure. Okay, we'll move on to the uh, next clip. He's considered, I would say, by the establishment as a psychopath. Now, he was a unique individual. Supposed to that had to do. Sorry, this is, um, they're talking about Tim Leary now, uh, just for context. So, Tim Leary. Being the uh, famous, uh, what was it? Tune in, dropout, whatever his thing was. The uh, yeah, the LSD sixties uh, yeah. LSD guru. Then yeah. became a computer early sort of pro computer cyberspace kind of guy. Yeah, um, and uh, Hyatt was his publisher at Falcon. Yeah. So, like some of the Timothy Leary books are sold by Falcon, and uh, so Hyatt knew him personally. intelligence and his ability to manipulate people and you think that's a, a natural born ability to some extent yeah. oh yeah you could learn aspects of it but for him it was first nature you might say it was natural for, for Tim yeah. now regarding came from the lower classes and he was on the surface quite congenial nice gentleman sort of character but he didn't have the sense of reality that Timmy had. Mm -hmm. And mostly the sales are to fringe people who, in essence, won't put in the necessary effort to accomplish anything. So they don't fall within my group of what I call the psychopath or the extreme individual. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, Tim Leary. Um, so I don't know much about the guy. I really enjoyed his books. You know, I Tim Leary is one of those amazingly fascinating individuals. That, um, even though you love some stuff or hate some stuff about him, he's like did so much stuff that you can't 
you can't not include them as, as a list of interesting people, you know. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he was like a high-end Harvard um, psychologist, scientist, uh, experimental psychologist, or something like this. Uh, you know, like the top guy or whatever to begin with, and then he got into the LSD stuff, and then he, um, you know, he went AWOL abroad and got uh, arrested and put to jail. Um, you know, he's like chased by the government kind of thing in Afghanistan and all that stuff. And then he was in jail for a while, and then he's like writing books in jail, uh, and then uh, he escaped from jail. Uh, the, sto- the story is it's hilarious. I don't know how true it is, but the story is that because he was the top psychologist, he'd written these personality grading tests for prisoners. The, the, the prison system at that part of America used the tests that he as a psychologist had developed to work out whether prisoners were going to be well-behaved or badly behaved or whatever, <laughs> and what to do with them in the prison. So he just answered his own sheet, knowing that they would place him as, made himself a certain type of person, so they would make him the gardener. So he was in the garden, and then a bunch of people helped him escape because he was outside in the garden. So he, like, <laughs> it's funny, you know, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's loads of, like, stories like that. And um, then he got into all the LSD stuff, which doesn't really interest me. But that was, like, a huge thing, obviously, in the 60s. And he was, intera- he was interacting somehow with intelligence agencies and stuff. You know, there's, like, various conspiracies about this. Uh, you know, he was in jail and then out of jail. And then he just got into computer-related things. And then he became a Turing, I think he was calling himself a stand-up philosopher. Mm-hmm. And he was just going around in talks at places and stuff. He's, like, one of those, like, talk go around and do the talks guys loads of talks on, on yeah. youtube and um his books are interesting they're wild and they're very um utopian techno techno utopian in ways um but they're really like exhilarating uh really creative some of the stuff and uh he a lot of his ideas you're actually seeing played out by someone like elon musk now so mm-hmm. i don't know is elon musk interested him or whatever but he's like a sort of mundane version of Timothy Leary's wild um, ideas about uh, uh, yeah this thing about space it's called smile space migration intelligence increase and life extension yeah, yeah. that's it yeah. Um, yeah. so I don't know if Elon Musk is in into into uh, life extension I'm sure he will be if he's not already um, but he's definitely obviously in the other two you know for better or worse I don't know about the plugging your head into that your neurons into this contraption i don't think yeah. it's a good idea but anyway yeah. why not um, just space go migration it. is fun <laughs> um yeah. so yeah so like timothy leary was kind of like a key person all those kind of ideas that are still still current now uh but he was like early doors it was about destroying your personality habits your personality um reactions and things like that and and it's kind of a, a form of awakening is what he was interested in um, yeah. you know, to break through those things and then um, see the higher re- levels of reality and stuff like that and self-evolution and, and a lot of these things. It's, re- it's interesting, even though most people listening to this will find plenty about him that they don't like. They'll find things they don't they don't like or whatever, but he's, his books are, are worth are worth reading. They're not, they're not actually an easy read. They're quite hard to read, some of them. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they, yeah some of them are not that I've read many. I forget the one I've read. I just can't remember the name. It's a famous one. Um, it wasn't necessarily easy to get through. Um, one thing about like our, our sphere, which I'm hesitant to call it that, I don't know, you know, whatever you want to call our loose association of, of people and whatever is people 
particularly young guys these days, because they're living in, in such a, like an oppressively liberal paradigm, I guess you could say, that you have a tendency then to just reactively lash out to anyone you perceive as being on that team. So a lot of, a lot of these really interesting thinkers, original thinkers, whatever you think about Tim Leary, he was an original thinker and he was clearly highly intelligent as well. Whatever you think about him. Um, yeah, don't, I think it's not good to just, just discount people because they're not into, you know, your old fashioned religion books and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes, you know, some people have interesting thoughts. You can chew it up and, and spit it out. Context as want. well. Yeah. I mean, like yeah, someone like Tim exactly. Leary was, he was 1950s America. You were coming out like a academic, you know, like a, that type person. Uh, you're, you're reacting to different things than people are reacting to now. He was reacting yeah. to the the restrictions they had on them then. People are reacting now to the restrictions they have on them now. Yeah, it's the same thing. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like it's just that mentality of this type of person who just wants to be free of all the shit. Uh, they want to do their own thing, and they just find all things restricting them. It's often outside, but it's more often things internally that's restricting them, which is what we've been talking about and what undoing means and. And all those things, and they're just wanting more freedom, more to create more things, just because it's just their nature, almost. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're, if you have this kind of one-dimensional view of you start looking at people based on your current politics right now in your current situation, it's really like it's, it's actually kind of stupid because you're you're not seeing that this your current thoughts are a reaction to things here that weren't things to react to for other people at other times and mm. also there's like a pendulum swinging back and forward sometimes the pendulum needs to swing the other way uh yeah. it's not like one way forever uh which everyone seems to think they think they're one way forever or that everyone has to agree you know like why does everyone have to agree it's just, mm. it's just people pushing things in different directions be one of the pushers instead mm. of the pushed yeah, you know, exactly. instead of like try to convince everyone to think the same thing, which is impossible and pointless. Yeah, <clears throat> I've given up on any thoughts of doing that. I just want to be left alone. And if if you guys can all pay me to do this, then I can move somewhere, and you'll never hear from me again, uh, except for in podcasts. Um, he he had the uh, the circuit model, right? That's where that you know it's uh, Robert Anton Wilson, and he he had that. I think it was seven circuits, nine circuits, eight, eight, eight circuits. Eight, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, yeah the eight circle model of consciousness. What do you think of that? What like do you that? think of that whole whole thing? Useful. As, as I love the book. I, uh, the book I read that in first is Prometheus Rising, which yeah, is the yeah. uh, Robert Anton Wilson's book. The first book that got me into all this stuff and heard about all this stuff. First book I ever heard of Hyatt because he's mentioned in it in a footnote, mm. I think. Um, the it's interesting, but it's like a rule of thumb. It's like it's like a model, you know. It's not real, and 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 since then, a lot of uh, some of it's some of it's like a lot of new science would stood up to some of it, and some of it um, it stood up to some of that, and some of it would need updated. I mean, it's not like they're not really real physical things, but they are definitely the first four anyway are a good sort of rough hand way of explaining different parts of human nature and different parts of the brain. Um, hi, it was more into the kind of neuroscience stuff later rather than that uh, because there's just more information now. 
Mm. Uh, people know more about it. There's more machines to try to look at things and stuff. Um, and then the the last four circuits are more of the kind of edge stuff and um, psychic and uh, mystical consciousness and all those type of things. Yeah. Uh, some of those you can't really, you're not really qualified to comment on unless you've been through experiences that relate to those, which most people who are picking up the book haven't and I hadn't when I picked up the book. Um, but you know, if you do things, things will happen. And some of the parts of that eight circuit model will, are a decent explanation for some things. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, that whole book is basically based on Tim Leary. It's, it works around Tim Leary, even though it's, uh, uh Robert Anton Wilson wrote it. Yeah. 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 One thing, uh, I do recall Hyatt talking about Tim Leary. And the fact that Tim Leary sold people like hope, um, and that uh, he differentiated himself by saying that he's not in the business of selling hope, um, or or not that kind. Like he's in the business of honestly uh, appraising the situation and prescribing certain things that you know have some chance of working, and that's that's his kind of hope. There was a definite. <laughs> bent of utopianism with these guys even oh and Leary and Wilson are are, are, they're like outright techno utopian libertarian types um you know this is the 60s really they're thinking this um 70s um Hyatt is more like a he's he's like a sort he's not got that utopian not at all (laughs) uh, (laughs) he's not got that optimistic (laughs) thing that they have at all he's much more like temperamentally a pessimist if they're temperamentally optimists He's yeah. like a sort of somebody. Re- there was somebody I wrote. I read a book review or something years ago that named it perfectly. They said Hyatt is like a grumpy version of Robert Arnold Wilson. <laughs> a grumpy perfect. He, he, he's like yeah. a grumpy version of him. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, in that, in the way he's meaning, the way the guy was meaning it, you know, just a yeah. sort of friendly, descriptive way. He wasn't being criticizing. Uh, but it's true. He's more like Hyatt is much more. You know, most people aren't capable or interested or or are just not going to change themselves. He's much more pessimistic about the human condition, and it's a flawed species. Leary is more he's more optimistic, but also he's playing the game of trying to be optimistic to try and make it happen by being optimistic. You know, he's trying mm-hmm. to change things by making people believe you can change things. And I'm sure he didn't totally, but 100% believe it, which is why it's referring to about him uh, yeah, being yeah, good yeah. at manipulating people. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, not not just to sell things, but just to probably just have, like someone like Lee, he's just having fun as well. He's wanting yeah. to have fun. It's yeah, like he seems about, like he's that an kind extrovert. Of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an extrovert and he's like, uh, he just enjoys that kind of thing. And um, that's part of it. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. What else are you going to do? <laughs> um, the, the other thing he mentioned, um, in this, this part is that, uh, you know, Tim, Tim had a certain amount of, well, he had a lot of charisma clearly in his case, but it, it begs an interesting question. Uh, in a lot of work that is portrayed on Twitter and, and esoteric threads and, uh, other such devices, there's very little talk about 
like just how much potential you may or may not have as an individual. And, and part of where they get you is they, they make you think that you are potentially the second coming of Christ. Um, in their, in various ways and that, uh, you've got this boundless potential and, uh, you know, all you've got to do is open yourself up to the crown chakra, you know, organized pyramid and, you know, you'll, you'll become like one with God. And, you know, if, if people have certain characteristics, people have certain talents, they do have certain amounts of guts and courage. Uh, as many elements of our, or most of the elements of our character are very much inbuilt and you can accentuate them, I think. You can make them more effective and better. But at, at the same time, it's, it's a good idea to be cognizant of just how much of a certain thing you've got and not deceiving yourself about that when it comes to this work because you, you can spend years wasting your time on all sorts of things that you're not particularly good at. I guess it's, it's kind of what we were talking about before. And uh, someone like Tim Leary, high IQ, extremely charismatic, you know, okay, he's he's got these inbuilt things and he was just good at them. But uh, maybe, you know, you or I don't necessarily have those traits. Maybe we're not just particularly charismatic or, or or have that inborn kind of extreme intellectual talent. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people can waste their time on courses of various kinds, trying to be something that they're really not, which is not necessarily, I'm not saying that you should just give up on things that you're not good at or things, you know, of course, if you have the charisma of snot in a jar, for sure, go, go to Toastmasters and learn how to speak to people, learn how to speak in public, learn how to use a crowd, but also just be, be aware of what you're good at, be aware of what, you know, what you enjoy and, and how much of the stuff you got and, and don't get hangups over the fact that you may not be a certain way or a certain type of person. Um, and if you do have, you know, extreme talents and maybe spend a bit more time working on those kinds of things. Um, just, just a general comment about people and character. And of course, he was referring to Israel Rigardi before as well, who, had, who didn't have that type of character, according to Hyatt in the statement he just made. He, he was more, uh, from what he was saying, more an uh, introverted kind of guy, perhaps, who was, who was more interested in doing, doing his own thing. But you know, the, the, all these things are okay. You don't have to be hung up about them. And in, in many ways, you don't have to. You know, you know, part of the work is also just allowing what you are to happen. It's about allowing, yielding, just letting it, letting it happen without the hang up. Who I knows? Mean, wh worrying about not being. I mean, what, spend your time worrying about that you're wanting to be someone else or something else, and not. You know, like something radically different. No, I don't just mean changing yourself in some way. Uh, is is the thing part of, one of the things that needs undone? Because that's just yeah. a bug of emotional reactions and things you have, and um, to make you feel better about different things. And you've 
um, you felt bad when you were young and you build up these stories about yourself to make yourself feel stronger or better. Uh, they feel like you're making, they're enhancing you in the moment, but actually overall they're actually diminishing you little by little every time you do these things. You tell mm-hmm. these lies, delusions to yourself. Um, and part of the highest thing is learning to tell useful lies consciously about yourself and to yourself. I don't mean <laughs> lie. I don't mean making up a story on your on, on your resume. I mean lie, like you understanding that language just models about the way things are, and you're using them for practical reasons. See if you accomplish things, and then you can drop them and move on to the next thing, um, rather than becoming a victim of your old thoughts, which people become. They're just a victim of their old thoughts, a victim of their old feelings, a victim of their old situations. They're just playing out a repetition of trying to solve some problem they had when they were young, don't even realize they're doing it. Um, and then you, until you do some kind of work on yourself, and then you'll go through a phase where you, uh, it's catastrophic almost. You feel like everything's falling apart and you don't know who you are and everything's going wrong and things become a shambles. Your personal life becomes a shambles as it would usually because you're probably in the wrong relationship because you don't know yourself. You're probably in the wrong situation, the wrong job because you don't know yourself. You know, all these things. So it's bound to break up and be a shambles when you start getting to know yourself. It's mm. just will happen. But for you, the person, the guy in the room who's young and doesn't know other people that have been through these things, then um, if you're not inside a tradition where they uh, take account of these things or whatever that makes sense of it for you, you need to hear from someone that's been through this before and try and figure out, know that it's normal and then try and figure out ways through it and find the right techniques you need. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but like, as we said, however many episodes ago, that there's one of the pros of being in a tradition is they take account of these things and uh, they know that there's stages people go through, but there's plenty of downsides of being trapped in a tradition and, the type of person who's interested in being free of restrictions and being an, becoming an extreme individual in these things is not likely to be the sort of person who's a true believer in a tradition. Mm. Yeah. Totally. Even if they like the idea of tradition and uh, ancient wisdom and all these things, you're still kind of LARPing a bit to make yourself do it. Mm. But that might work for some people. You're using it as a mental tool. I'm going to make myself believe this thing or act like I believe this thing for long enough to change myself. And then I'll just yeah. drop it and do something else later, taking the, you know, yeah. but or not, you know, like you, you see people struggle with this all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> as, as you always say, a lot of, a lot of, uh, what we are is, is very much hardwired or, or built in. And, uh, you know, maybe there's, nothing that's particularly special about you <laughs> it's like i don't i don't think i have anything particularly you know special like if i look at a character like tim leary or or someone that has that uh, quite amazing talent and charisma and then evaluate myself well you know i'm not I'm quite honestly not even in the same ballpark but that's okay because um the main purpose of the work is is overcoming yourself and that's that's the key to it. And I, as I always say, just just be wary of people that have easy answers online. Be wary. But then you become yeah. you 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 get that comparison between yourself and like an imaginary version of yourself, or the comparison between yourself and other people and stuff. That those things are things that fall away once you work on yourself and you yeah. undo yourself. So I would say whatever techniques you're using, they gradually fall away, and you're just left with you wanting, and then. 
if you're healthy, you're wanting to make you better in a real way. What can I improve now? What yeah. can I do? What is my actual weaknesses? What are just things I'm not good at and aren't worth wasting time with? What are my actual talents? Uh, and you're not bothered that you're not more talented. You just want to make the most of the one you have. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're not striving to be better. It just means you're not living this fantasy world of um, comparing, which is really just another trick your mind is doing to stop you doing anything. Oh, well, I'm not going to be as rich as him, so what's the point? Oh, I'm not going to be as good a painter as that guy, so what's the point in learning doing this now? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just want to be a concert pianist. I don't want to actually do any scales or whatever. You know, it's like this people have these um, uh, imaginary delusions. It's just, it's just yeah. all like a dysfunctional imagination. imagination when yeah. your real imagination should be, okay, I want this thing to happen. How are some ways it could happen? I could do these things. And then you're moving about different. There's different moving parts in your mind and you figure out, well, if I, you simulate, well, maybe this way, this would happen, that would happen. Okay, I'll try this. Okay, that didn't work. I'll change this. That's what you should be using your imagination for. And it's very like practical and grounded. It's not It's not like you don't have to dream up grand schemes. It's usually quite obvious the thing you need to do Yeah. next, you know? Yeah, yeah, you, totally. But you usually don't want, really yeah. want to do it. That's the, this is, again, the point of self-control and detachment. You have to go and discipline. Oh, okay, I have to. Yeah. Of course yeah. I don't want to do it because I'm the way I am now. Yeah. I wouldn't need to do this thing if I already wanted to do it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. it's when you realize that it's obvious, well, of course I'm not going to feel like going it. Of course I'm going to go join the martial arts gym. And when I get to, or I'm going to go to join, I'm going to get to the door and I'm going to walk downstairs and then I'm just going to turn back and not do it because I felt awkward at the last minute. And then years later, I, I decide to go. Mm. This is something I did, by the way, a long time ago. Mm. Um, mm. So when I was younger and, um, mm. Uh, of course, you're going to feel like that when you go and do something new. That's the point. The reason I needed to go was because I felt like that. So to go there thinking you're not going to feel like that is a delusion. Yeah. You know, um, it's just imagination. There's not anything. You know, it's not like <laughs> I was going to. I was going to say it's not as if someone's going to attack you. Well, they actually are. You're going to go and learn to attack and be attacked. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not like anything out of uh, control is going to happen. And um, that's the point you're going. So, hmm. uh, you just, that type of thing, I just kind of know, realized as I got older, I think just the amount of times I've, I made fuck ups and the amount of times I, uh, did things like that. They just, I sort of started to see my own pattern, but I don't think if I, if I hadn't been working on psychophysical practices in general to be breaking apart these tensions and, and habits and things, I don't think I would have been so quick to see the pattern. I might have been the guy on the deathbed going, Oh, my whole life I've been doing da da da. You know, so <laughs> mm. like, it's just what time, what stage in your life do you realize the da da da? You know, <laughs> you can realize the da 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 when you're young or when you're old. So it's just yeah. starting out. Oh, but if I'd only started 20 years ago, I'd be so, yeah. well, yes, but start now. It's it all the same. It is. Yeah. yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. They're all excellent points. Uh, you know, I was thinking just quickly before we go on, on the connect, you know, we've gone through the connections between the physiological work and character change and may maybe why some of these things happen. But, uh, you know, I was thinking about it where I'm at with, with my own work. It really just seems as if the ability to sit there and not be tensed, not be contracted and just be receptive 
it frees up the ability even to think about character, uh, your own character and the things you, your patterns and various other things. It's like that, that state of just being a bit looser, just kind of opens you up to being able to see it. Does that make sense or am I sounding like an insane person? Because that, that seems yeah, to be you, the you mechanism need to build that's up going. A- you need to create yeah, a gap between the stimulus and the response, because otherwise, yeah, if you're just yeah, cool. if you're just immediately reacting to every single thing that happens, there's no time for you to even to even contemplate anything like this, because yeah, yeah. you just have no time. You're doing the next thing. You're reacting. You're getting emotionally driven by some other thing. You're being manipulated by people without realizing it. You're getting angry. You're getting sad. You're like everything's just happening to you, and you're a victim yeah. of all these things. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like, highest thing isn't to destroy all these things, it's to understand them, destroy the negative, compulsive things, but it's not to get rid of, it's not to become a zombie and not have your emotions yeah. and joys and things. You actually get better ones. Like, yeah. uh, you even even the negative, emo- the quote, the negative emotions, when you get angry, you get anger in a more pure way, and then you do something constructive rather than it just being this ongoing stewing resentment frustration thing that can last for ages and really hold you back mm. it's more just comes out and then it's gone yeah. um and you like i'm angry about this thing and it's usually if you're more undone you're, it's more likely to be a rational reason why you're angry at something so then there is something to be done about it. you're not just yeah. seething in resentment at a guy on the internet yeah and, and beware of people that that act as if they don't get angry well, who were you giving a hard, a hard time last week? Was it Eckhart Tolle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bet, yeah. Beware of people like that because, yeah, uh, as we were saying, we were saying that, yeah, just, just because you forget those reactive emotions, so that the emotions that are coming up from your limbic system doesn't mean they're going to forget you. It's still going to happen, but the, the key is how you deal with them. And, uh, yeah, as you were just saying, saying now, that's uh that's the key to it all okay i guess we'll just play the next clip do you feel like we're in a in an age where we're more towards the the hysterical epidemic side of it or do you see more of these fringe elements these extreme individuals cropping up right now i see more in europe I see more in uh, other countries than I do in this country. Mm-hmm. This country, in my view, is becoming an afterbirth. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that's a cyclical thing, or do you think that's innate to America? Kind well, of? I think it's both. I think it's innate to this country at this point, and it's also cyclical. Europe had its ups and downs, mm-hmm. but the amount of variance that is tolerated in this country is much lower now than it was in the roaring 60s and the 70s. Variability, which is the sign of possibility, was much higher then than it is at this time in this country's history. Now, whether the arthritis that we're in now will lead to a rupture in the near future, which I hope it does, I don't know. I don't know. The slope of the curve going down now is accelerating, 
And until you really hit bottom, you're not going to have a, a bleep up. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You just look at the hysteria over saying the phrase Merry Christmas at the end. <laughs> I mean, this is ludicrous. Yeah. It's just words. Just sounds. Yep. Yeah, I love that part. Just words, just sounds. <laughs> You know, it's funny because this was in 2005, but, you know, obviously things are already getting quite bad at that point. This is, you know, obviously what we're facing today with just this hysterical um, outburst is is nothing new. But I wonder, you know, it's if you obsession over words. Everyone's just yeah. constantly arguing yeah. about words. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what he think today if he was around. <laughs> He'd probably just be horrified at how far it's gone. It's actually... Pretty crazy because you know you and I were both around at that time, and uh, I, I must admit I would never have thought it would have got to this point. Like I constantly have to pinch myself, and I'm like, "Nah, bro, this is real. <laughs> this is real. This is actually happening. It's fucking bizarre. Really, is fucking strange." Yeah, <laughs> all this the, this kind of thing. This like uh, I thought was like fifty years away, not. 10 years yeah yeah it's happened at that point it was like kicking up 10 years yes 10 years after that interview is when everything started to kick off uh roughly so you know i didn't expect that at all i thought this kind of thing would happen eventually and there'd be some kind of split in america that bit and hyatt mentioned stuff about this before about the different types splitting off but i really didn't expect it to be so quick yeah and for so many things to be inverted and uh, like back to front and upside down it's really it's wild yeah 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 really is really is wild one thing he mentioned there was uh variability as a sign of possibility i i like this uh very much he uh there's some scientists out there that i i like listening to um particularly this guy called edward dutton um and he speaks about you may have heard of him he's he's got a bit of he's got a channel called the jolly heretic and, and he talks about genetics and evolution and he's got this theory of the spiteful mutant which is someone that goes around and you know deliberately subverts the herd kind of like um i guess you know he always makes the equivalency to uh you know the modern liberal kind of kind of thing and that's that's his example of the spiteful mutant but i find like a lot of these guys when when they talk about their evolutionary theories and they put people into those those um <clears throat> buckets which may, may well be true from from a certain point i i can't help but feel that i i just don't think that nature has the same emphasis on good and bad that they do that obviously these people, these mutants, if, if you want to believe his theory exists, they must exist for a reason. They must be here as some sort of re reset mechanism or, you know, there's some reason that they're here. Um, otherwise they wouldn't be here. It's pretty obvious, but it, this is a general theme. And, and I don't think that Hyatt was his extreme individual was a version of the same thing that this guy is talking about, but nevertheless the extreme individual is not a part of the herd and there's a bit of a, a herd fetish in the right wing 
particularly online and online discourse to kind of like, oh, if you're not like a Catholic, you know, and you don't get married by age 19 and you just don't do what everyone else does, some heckin' wholesome stuff, then you're a fucking failure. Forget about it. You're a degenerate. All those kinds of wisdom that you see from 21-year-olds that know about the world. Um, <clears throat> I, I do like the idea that in nature, aside from this, that variability, so, so the mutant type, I guess what he called the wild card is the thing that is interesting because it's from people like this that interesting developments occur. And I think that a, like a large part of his work in some way was probably trying to get these techniques out to people who are potentially these kinds of wild card people. Um, and I think he did explicitly state that in several of his books and interviews from memory. Do you have any thoughts on this? Because there is a bit of a fetish for normalization among some people, like being normal, which of course is just a ridiculous abstraction anyway. It doesn't really exist. When you go around and look at people, they're fucking bizarre. Like, And the people who are most normal, quote unquote, are often fucking out of their minds. Like it's, there's nothing normal about it. But I do like the idea of the, the wild card type, the talented type, you know, the, the type that we've been talking about, like Tim Leary, someone that has some sort of like high intellect, high IQ, high charisma, these, these different, different sorts of skills. Because when, when, and, and right now, sorry, this may sound a little confused, but. In the past, and I think Nietzsche talks about this, if you have such an individual that pops up, then very often because of their circumstance, then they don't fully evolve in what they, to what they should be because they get held down by everyone else or held down by their circumstance. So you need a combination of luck, of birth, and um, all these different other things to, to have a special person arise. And I think what Hyatt was trying to encourage, and I don't want to speak for him, but I, I, I feel like he wanted to get this information out, out there. So this phenomenon of having to rely on luck was less of a thing. And that if such individuals were out there with these great traits or wildcard traits or variable traits, um, that they would have tools and skills to be able to fully realize themselves with more ease than, than what, what it's been like in the past. How do you feel about that? The cult of normality that we see these days, yeah. like people fetishizing normality. I agree with what you say there about, uh, Hyatt's aims, I think. I think he said explicitly in one of the in an interview somewhere about it's about helping people who are who are not functioning well for whatever reason and to or blocked to overcome that. You know, people with some kind of ta natural talents or whatever, and to help them overcome the blockages. So I reckon, yeah, he's he is trying to get stuff out for those people, those wild cards, most of whom will come to nothing, won't really, won't blossom correctly, you know, because of circumstances. But have potential. Um, 
And uh, the normal thing, yeah, well, I mean, this is all political sites are obsessed with have a kind of a herd mentality. I think that's just the way it is mm. for most people. They just, uh, uh, even the, even the, um, a lot of the non herd people are just going to their own herds anyway. It's like, just seems to happen. Yeah. Um, so what, what about this idea of the, variable type as being dysfunction like which i guess we've we've said that well they're but they being will be. spitefully yeah. spitefully dysfunctional in an evolutionary sense like the, so you the mean how, does that help the group in some way or does yeah, that yeah. Do you mean yeah so uh, i think it well, i think they're it does shaking things up a bit yeah, yeah. because yeah, they're yeah. making they're it's almost like they're like uh they're well in one sense you could think of them as the as the virus that um, builds up the immune system or whatever, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. however it works, um, of the group, of the larger group. Um, but also it's just going to make things a little, they're going to be breaking up the little things. And, and, you know, it's like the, they're more like the jester in the court. So they're not the king running things, making it happen. They're the jester making little jokes and niggling around the side and stuff. They're shaking up a little bit and not letting, things congeal so much so there's definitely like a um and lay off steam a little bit so there's 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 probably group benefits on the evolutionary point of view for from from that but it can become a culture and it can it can overtake everything like now whereas like mm. that's a big thing now rather than it being it's probably healthy and small many things are good in a small dose they're good for the big the larger they're good for the whole in a small dose, and then once it gets a large dose, it's bad for the whole. Um, yeah. So it could be something like that. Um, but the the normal thing, everyone has their own definition of normal, and they just want people to be like more like them, or yeah. more. They want people to be more like the way they think they are, because it's usually yeah. not the way they are, or they want to be more like the way they should. They say they should be. Yeah, um, it's the abstraction. That's their normal. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just invented. It's made up. It's like. Yeah. Um, some things are real, you know, like where are people living? How are they making money? How do they eat? You know, those things are real. Um, but a lot of it just is like how it says, it's just lost in obstructions and uh, fighting over symbols. And yeah. uh, the intelligent, a lot of the intelligent successful people are the worst because mm. they just live in a total world of um, paperwork and numbers and screens and all that stuff. And uh, they just don't know how anything works. By by my definition, I've never met a normal person my entire life. So I don't even know what that fucking means anymore. To be yeah, honest. It's just, yeah. Yeah, it's you're nonsense. just gonna well, how are you defining it? You're if you say normal, then you obviously have some conception about what rules apply to normal people, and then as yeah. far as you're concerned, this person meets those rules that you yeah. created for yourself. Yeah. Uh, to me to me they're all normal is just yeah, sorry, go on. You, you go, it's sorry. just like a feeling. It's more a feeling. It's not really a thought. It's often yeah. just there's something that makes people feel like that isn't normal. There's something, I've, this makes me feel weird or bad or scared. Therefore, that's not normal. This yeah. makes me feel safe or good or superior. Therefore, that's normal. Uh, yeah. You know, they just throw in the concept <laughs> to yeah. justify the feeling after. Uh, um, but sometimes it is a wrong concept. Sometimes they have an idea of what it should be, and then they try and fit things and nothing fits this idea. And yeah. then they go mad trying to make the world fit this silly idea they had. Yeah. Or particularly, particularly the young guys dispensing advice and, and trying to make the world, you know, 
a, a, a 16th century Catholic country again. <laughs> tell you now, guys, that's destined to fail, that one. Um, Especially since it's totally down, America's downstream of the Reformation. Yeah, <laughs> well, that as well. Back. That as well. It's like it's, yeah. it's like a... It just doesn't make any logical historical sense. That's yeah, not how bizarre. things work. Although bizarre. this is how things work at a time like this, everyone falls back on all these old, uh, old ideas and sort of modern, uh, simplified versions of older, more complex stuff that worked. Uh, you were saying that because you're because you're a Spengler bro, and you've put me onto Spengler because I never read spengler before um but i've got it here i haven't quite got to it yet because I, I barely have any time to read these days but you so this is his idea right that they're all just going to start laughing and um <laughs> yeah. basically well just, yeah he's he basically yeah. says at this point this stage in the civilization which is when it's the winter of the civilization where it's turning to where it's like the whole systems have got so petrified and they're just um the life and the cultures has left it um, at this stage, we're at the roughly equivalent stage of uh, the rise of Caesar, the fall of the Republic, rise of Caesar in Rome. Um, for people who don't know, Spengler sees Western civilization as a separate civilization from classical. They're just not the same. This is not a continuation with medieval in the middle. He sees them as like uh, civilizations, as organisms that grow in a different, their own time and place. They have a youth, adulthood, old age, and die. Uh, he says, Greek, yeah, Greece and Rome is one civilization. So Greece is to Rome as Europe is to America, uh, Western Europe is to America. And, um, our civilization is at the stage now where it's, uh, Caesar time. <laughs> and at, at Caesar time, you'll get, <clears throat> there's like the, you know, strongman military guy who's independently wealthy and, uh, uh but has public, is popular is is a populist, um, and he's by like he's analyzed different civilizations, and everyone seems to go through the same kind of pattern, and you can recognize that the patterns are different. Uh, you can recognize the equivalents. So like Napoleon is the equivalent of Alexander the Great. Uh, Caesar, the equivalent of Caesar in the West hasn't arrived yet, but he says around this time, because of the way the culture is, is dead and all the old forms are just playing out, repeating themselves. Think of. Hollywood just repeating the same stories, different <laughs> versions of the same thing over and over. There's no life left in it. That's Fucking a perfect example. Of, again. Fuck's sake. But Spengler, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Spengler's idea is this is the end of all civilizations, the the, the declining period. And um uh around the same time as that happens, because everything just the starts falling apart, some uh strong leader come takes over and it all just becomes about just uh, fighting over empires. Fighting over mm. uh, it's just for raw power. There's no like cultural meaning left. It's just raw power of um, warlords or whatever. And um, uh, but at the same time, there's uh, Spengler's ideas is uh, that there will be a second religiousness, which is all the mm. old religious forms will appear in sort mm. of new simplified versions. So you'll get people who are, you'll get like uh, reconstructions of all the all, of all the original religion of that civilization. So, you know, around that time in Rome, they started, you know, like old cults, cults of older things and, and other things and other nearby civilizations started becoming popular. Uh, here you get, um, uh, you know, we've had like the, the, all the different things. So there's like, there's been the, 
cult revival, there's being the um, you know, like neo paganism, there's being all the the Christian um traditionalist stuff going back to that stuff. So you're seeing like sort of um simplified kind of skeleton versions of of the old original source religions um coming out in ways that we would now call LARPing, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I hope um life extension isn't a thing because I just rather not live to fucking see all that shit. <laughs> to be honest. It's just just die. I don't know how much more of this I can handle this whole thing. But um, just go, yeah, to, just laughing, go to Mars. Laughing, just go bro. to Mars. It'll all be fine to Mars. It could be, yeah. Or you know, I was thinking, <laughs> think it's somewhere in in the uh, Caribbean would be good. I could handle that. Just just on a nice island somewhere where I can just be left alone. But um, yeah, I, I suspect they're not gonna not gonna allow that. But um, anyway, interesting times, I guess, at the least. So, so let's um, go on to the next uh, clip. We'll do one more. I think we have time for one more. One, one last thing about that. Oh, yeah, sure. Sorry. At this time in history, so Hyatt's idea about the undoing yourself and becoming an extreme individual, you know, being able to um, do your own things um, without just being a slave to all your reactions and without and being able to navigate in the world without getting in trouble. Um, now is actually an important time to be able to do that for people. Now, it's not going to be everybody, but to learn kind of skills like that are going to be useful going ahead because things are just going to get more and more. Um, they're going to decline more and more. Doesn't mean there'll mm-hmm. be a giant collapse and it's Mad Max. Doesn't mean that at all. It just means decline, things not working, spaces for uh, some things will get more centralized and there'll be more central control, try to control things from the center. There'll be places where there isn't as much control. There'll be, it's going to be much more chaotic in that sense and much more, di- much more variability in the civilizations. So for someone who's now has more variability in themselves, which means not being restricted to one set of reactions, one set of habits, one set of personality traits, that they're more flexible. They're going to be able to thrive in these things or at least not be made mental, <laughs> not, not go mad or be um, totally controlled, They'll at least have some options. So it's actually a more important time now than it was when I was saying this. Well, well that's good. Okay. I can, I can handle that. Um, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I, I, I must admit, um, you know, I was thinking, I think we've spoken about this before with, with Putin, um, you know, uh, splitting the world in two, I think, uh, yeah, naturally, you would imagine, you know, this bifurcation will s- sort of open things up, maybe that weren't available uh, before, potentially for people who are, you know, sick of living in certain places under certain paradigms, maybe new and interesting uh, possibilities could come up. But yeah, I, there's going to be a phase, there's going to be a phase where it's simultaneously much more centralized and much more restricted of where you can go and what you can do while at the same time things breaking apart and little pockets appearing or and then but you don't know what it's going to transform into so we uh it's you you need to be someone who's who's flexible you need to have multiple skills you need to be practical in a hard-nosed sense you need to be like um this is like highest work is good for this because you're you can think more clearly you can do uh, the things you need to do to f- accomplish whatever the goal is. Yeah, controlling uh, anxiety and tension and yeah, yeah all that I mean, kind of stuff. Yeah, that's what 
there's more and more things to be anxious and tense about now. So mm. if you're not a slave to those things, at least you can do things. And then in a positive sense, you'll see, you'll be able to see clearly opportunities or that are available because you're not just terrorized and uh, um, restricted and um, or just believing all the things you're hearing on the news, which is obviously the most, is a common thing for a lot of people. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the first, it's only the first step is not, believing the news but a lot of the guys online now are just like as if that's like the end point i don't believe the stuff so i'm superior <laughs> therefore everything's fine we just get more yeah. people like me yeah uh, it's just <laughs> no it's like uh it's just the first step and and the second step is is uh don't believe your own news you're telling really? yourself the news all the time that you can't believe yeah, yeah. but also don't get paralyzed and just so detached and paralyzed that you can't do anything there's another thing how it's good for it's not about zombifying yourself and uh, hiding and stuff. It's about engaging yeah. with things. That's yeah. what makes it kind of unique and makes it Western and makes it um, uh, really important for now, I think. Yeah. Not that I've mastered any of these things and I'm way behind in my own plans, but it, uh, I'd rather know this now than uh, in five years because it was going to be too late for a lot of things in five years. Yeah. Well, that sounds ominous. Should Should I leave here? Within a five-year period, do you think? Is that I'm what you're no, saying? No idea. I'm not. I'm not a prophet. Man, you Spangler Bros, you're so ominous all the time. Fucked. <laughs> 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 uh, so I've got to get out of here. That's what you're saying. All right. I I'm wouldn't gonna... call myself a. Sp I'm not a Spangler Bro. I'm more like yeah. a um, Spangler adjacent. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, I, I had plans to get out within five years anyway. So I'm I'm way ahead of you. I mean, I'm just saying five yeah. years. I just think the next few years will be um, peak. The next, the rest of this decade will be will be the peak chaos before things settle down and whatever the new formulations are. So, like, I think this the next the rest of this decade will be when things are could be go one way or the other in different places, and you have to be prepared for that and uh, not yeah. to be uh, ruled by not reacted to every stimulus is the first yeah, step. Yeah. Yeah. And you do that in little boring things in your life. You don't do that by, oh, I'm going to not react to this pandemic lockdown, or I'm not going. I'm just going to suddenly learn to not react when it's a war hits my place or whatever. Hey, it's um, not like you have to be prepared in advance. Did Did Donald Trump get arrested? Because I've not been on Twitter, so I've not read any news. Because that was the only place I got news from. Speaking of this whole thing, because that because that kind of plays into that, right? I've not um, been following the news, but I have seen on Twitter yes today or yesterday that he has been, yes. Because that's that's clearly a case of what you're saying. This is what happens well, in late stage republics, right? Like it, it's just gangs exactly fighting happens, yeah. one another. So like yeah, yeah. So for people listening, leaving aside political preference, all that, that's that's not the point. The point is at this stage of the civilization, you get things like leading leading political figures are being arrested or murdered and assassinated and stuff like that. That's just normal. You get rich guys interfering with politics. That's just normal. You get like um, weird alliances between different rich people, like mega rich, I mean, and, uh, you know, Elon Musk and people like that are like uh, controlling things and directly, indirectly and all this. It's just normal. Um, so, yes, yeah, so a guy, it's the kind of thing that triggers, I mean, what happened with the rise of Caesar? It's a civil war. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. For 
And sure. the Spengler's thing is this happens everywhere. It's just what happens. It's just there's a culture grows strong and it's built around one idea and it's you know it grows, it's expressing itself, it's rising, it's getting richer, it's building things. And then it uh, reaches a point where it can't grow anymore. Just like an adult, you just reach your peak and then you just start declining. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can decline in a graceful way and stay strong and be do useful things and stuff, or you can do, or you can uh, collapse, or you can decline in a very horrible, ignoble way and uh, um, really destructive way. So it's like it does matter what people do. It's not like pessimism. Oh, it's decline. Can't do anything. Nihilism. <laughs> it's not that at all. It's really actual matter. It really matters what people do, but it's just. There's only so many things you can do. You can't restart the culture again. It's just from Spengler's point of view, it's just not how it works. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you can yeah. see that. You see people trying that little, like, it's it's not going to work. Although it's not to say some cultural things won't help things work better, because they will. Uh, you know, it's like, it's uh, it's not as simple as one side to, to anything. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, so it sounds as if the variability at a time like this is quite important, because that's probably where the new cultural forms are going to come from eventually right like you're you're in the early stages of of new streams arising creative people instead of like instead of thinking how am i going to save this culture or get back to some imaginary post earlier part of the culture and make it more like that instead of that would be think what can i i'm the guy that's creating things in amongst the chaos that might be the thing later might Mm. be a few hundred years you might not see it but at least you've some kind of meaning in doing stuff like that. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's not like uh, instead of fantasizing about things. But this, like, the fun, this is exactly analogous to how people think about themselves. They have these fantasies, they're going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to start doing this, and, you know, like, I'm going to change my life, new year, new me, you know, all that crap. <laughs> um, yeah. And rather than just do things that they actually can't do at this stage. I mean, I'm my age now, there's certain things I can't do, or there's no point me starting them now. I should have started them earlier than there. There's no point me imagining that, oh, oh, I'm doing martial arts now. I'm going to be a professional fighter. It's just fantasy at my age, no matter how much I did it. I, like, I mean, I could do it li- in a literal sense, but it wouldn't be very good. Mm. Um, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So there's like things that just, that's just you. It's just there's only certain things that are available to you now. You know, if you're a woman a certain age, you can't have children now. It's just facts. Um, there's ways around it, things, other th- things you can do and stuff. So, but it's exactly the same with civilization. It's like we're at the elderly stage now, and uh, yeah. the it's fallen down the stairs a few times. Uh, <laughs> so and it's got a bit. It's getting dementia. You know, I, I, <laughs> there's like a perfect uh, um, symbol of this in the world at the moment. Uh, for the stage of civilization, it's, it's perfect, uh, poetically mm. perfect. Biden is poetically perfect for um, <laughs> the stage of the civilization. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I really mean that. It's like it's it's it couldn't be any more perfect. Everyone's obsessed with Trump and that stuff and whatever. But from us from us state civilization stage point of view, it's it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, it is, isn't it? Now that you say it that way. It's, uh, you know, he's literally falling down. He's not remembering stuff, but that's our culture. It's not remembering he, stuff. It's lying. So he's lying it constantly. Yeah. He's like, yeah. he's lying constantly, not, not realizing or caring. It's not like strategic lies. It's just like dementia lies. And, um, 
that's what the, the culture is doing stuff. So um, again, I'm not even saying these these are not political points. These are just like you're. It's like from I'm learning this from Spengler. It's like you're you're looking at the morphology, the shape of the history of the, and the development of the culture, and you're just saying, oh, that's what that. This is a symbol. This represents this stage. So when I'm looking at Biden saying oh, that, rep- oh, it just represents this stage. It's like a good poetry, <laughs> almost. Mm-hmm. It's got nothing to do with you. This policy and that policy. It's none of that shit. I'm not, I don't think like <laughs> that. I'm not interested. Um, no. So, uh, and the Trump thing is just like uh, the rest thing is is um, the symbol of that stage of uh, the fall of the republic because it is the fall of the republic just now. What yeah. else? Other? What else is it? And who cares what side is the right guy? Gets they're all the same thing, which is the fall of the Republic, but what comes out of it can be different depending on what the two sides do. Mm. So it's not like it doesn't matter. So um, this is the kind of thing on Twitter you can't, it's hard to talk about without somebody just thinking you're a nihilist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't see it as nihilistic. Uh, you know, I don't even think nihilism is a thing the more I think about it. Like we can't help not like even not having a meaning is a meaning. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. About it. It's literally not saying <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you, we just can't help it. We're meaning generating animals. We just go around yeah. fucking making meaning out of just nothing. So, uh, yeah. I wish I could stop making fucking meaning.